3: Hello, welcome to the Five Year Plan podcast. Yeah. It is, Whatever it is going to be, it is going to be one of those pods. Unfortunately, uh, it's the day after Palace have lost one nil at home to Burnley. Uh, this is Pod three forty one, and joining me this week to pick over the bones of that defeat, we've got Kevin Day. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, we I'm not even going to ask you how you are because I know what the answer is going to be.
1: Yeah, well, it's raining, so that's one small consolation, but, you know, <laughs> it's, also, it's, also, it's also raining in my heart, to be perfectly honest. Oh, at the moment. He's,
3: good. <laughs> he's good. He's good. He's right, good. Moving on from that, uh, James Eddicott. Hello, how are you? I'm okay, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right.
2: I'm all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I actually feel all right because I'm, I'm old. So, <laughs> okay. And I think and I think uh, Crystal Palace fans need to be old today. Yeah. I don't know why, but there's something about old listeners.
3: Okay, well, that's two people that have done something poetic. Let's see if our third guest can do that. It's Jesse Boyce, returning, actually, for quite a while to the uh, the main podcast, although obviously has been featuring on the excellent, even if I do say so myself, Pardew's Hot Pants. Um, Jesse, have you got anything poetic for us? Um,
0: No, no no hot pants today, Jim. Good to be here in the more formal setting uh, (laughs) with with our more uh, experienced and...
3: uh, Uh, Just the just the
0: original with the with the the OG podcasters, am I? So pleasure to be here and see everyone again. Let me just translate
3: OG podcast for the other two. OG mean actually, what does OG mean? Uh, Gangster. (laughs) It's original original gangster. Something like that. I I don't know original glaziers Original realized, glaziers. I realized original yeah glaziers. that's better that's better i realized halfway through that i didn't know what i was talking about i should have aborted um right before we go on to part one we're going to talk about that defeat to burnley um let's do a shout out to a random patron and uh, let's try and make this as enthusiastic as we can despite the circumstances so can i get a drum roll please oh that's beautiful um it is mr phil walsh Hi, Phil. Very nice guy, Phil, is too. And you can join our Patreon and get all the rewards that that entails at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast podcast. Right, Kevin, let's just crack on straight into Burnley. Mm. Uh, In part two, by the way, we're going to be talking about Wilfred Zaha with Thanks to the Athletic. And in part three, we've got questions, a lot of questions from our listeners. Part one, Burnley. I said to Selzy before the game, we chatted on the phone, that we've... Uh, The Burnley Strikers out. I knew that Woods and Barnes was out. Didn't know that Rodriguez was also out. And with no Benteke, potentially no Wilf, it felt like it was going to be a nil-nil game. And to Mm. me, it was a nil-nil game, really, apart from that rare Guayeta error. And he's a a goalkeeper that obviously, you know, has done very well for us and rarely makes errors. But we have to admit, and if it was Hennessy, we'd be doing the same, it was a bad error.
1: Can... uh... Can you tell the Premier League it was a 0-0 game then? Because they seem to have forgotten to give us a point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, what, I'm going to make a confession here. We, we had um, uh, a meeting last night on Zoom with some theatre and comedy producers in a desperate attempt to try and get back on stage somewhere and make some money. So I was sort of doing five minutes on and five minutes off. And if I'm totally honest, by the end, I was actually quite relieved that I can't afford a season ticket next season. <laughs> because oh, it's not the first time we've sat through games like that as well. It's, it wasn't it wasn't a one-off. And as, as for Gaiti, it wasn't error by Goiti, but it, he simply wouldn't have expected me to be unmarked on the penalty spot, basically. And it, it was as bad defensively to allow the cross to come in and to allow the header to happen. And yes, it was. He should have saved it. And... It, it was just, it was we well, 've said this before this season it 's nearly always a tell' park it 's one of those performances it was so poor you just have to kind of go forget it we 've got enough points to stay up. We know there are problems with the age of the squad the energy we 'll talk about Wilf later on we haven 't got anyone who can change the game. Plan A involves Wolf playing well, and that hasn't been in the way for, for quite some time. And Plan B involves Wolf playing moderately. And that hasn't been the way for some time. So um, we, we, know what, we know what the problems are. We'll talk about them now. But they're the same problems that we've been talking about on and off for three years. And it, the, the biggest problem is it's, it's a miracle that we're actually comfortably mid-table with the amount of goals we score essentially i mean 28 goals this season i think it is second lowest after norwich but at least norwich fans get a bit of attacking enterprise the reason the reason norwich don't score goals is because they're shit (laughs) which is simple as that but at least they have a go and try to score them so their fans can come away kind of philosophically going well we're rubbish we're going down but at least we had a go we 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 come away and philosophically we say well we're staying up and that's it that's the consolation
3: yeah and as kevin kevin's very right firstly in the fact that with the goal and Selzy always says this as well on the podcast it's never one person's fault there's there's always multiple reasons a goal goes in and Kevin's right me had the run on I think it was Cahill um, and shouldn't have been able to get to that ball first and it is an error from Guaita as it goes in but with the fact that we have so few attacking options, especially off the bench, I mean, Max yeah. Meyer, really the only attacking player. I mean, obviously, Brandon Pirick was on and we might come on to sort of youngsters later. It means that when there is errors and we have such a low-scoring team, that's going to define the game rather than any chance of sort of getting back into it or, or trying to score more goals. So it's a frustrating and depressing situation to be in that we've spoken about for some time.
2: Well, it was. it was just... I found it depressing because a lot of the times this season we've spoken about how Palace have maybe gone one nil, nil down but actually never looked like they were going to lose and always had a bit of an option up front and we've always seen to, we've, we've actually managed to get back into some games, you know, we've always always looked quite dangerous but yesterday just didn't, that wasn't there really. And I, I, you know, I know we will talk about Wilf, I'm going to talk about him now. He, was, he, he wasn't fit. I mean, yeah. he wasn't fit. They yeah. put two players on him as all teams do. We were talking about this earlier, JD. Teams always put two players on Wilf and he's usually quick enough and smart enough to get through them and make chances, get fouled, get a free kick or whatever. Yesterday, he wasn't fit. He was marked out of the game. He had like one little run in the area and he ran into somebody and then lost, got a bit angry with himself and that was it. He didn't do anything. So you're already down, already you're one man down less. And lots, because he doesn't perform, other players don't perform. You know, and we... we, we we always, I always moan about other fans of other teams saying that we're a one-man team. I say we're not a one-man team. Yesterday we looked like a one-man team and our one-man wasn't playing. And that's what was really depressing for me. And, you know, there was a lack of substitutions. There's just a lack of energy in the whole performance. And it's very frustrating, really frustrating. It's especially as we started this post-lockdown football period against the first 20 minutes, half an hour of our first game against... Bolbuth, it was exciting. Yeah. We were moving forward, we were knocking the ball around. We looked we looked like we were all buzzing. Obviously, there's a bit of a blip against Liverpool, understandable. But last night was just we were we were playing a team who are in the same position as we are in the league, and they had two goalkeepers on the bench, four minutes Premier League experience on the bench, but yet we still can we couldn't mm. even muster up an attack. It was I was just
3: depressing. Do Sorry. We um don't do not apologize never apologize. apart from talking about will before part two because that is kind of annoying. Yeah, sorry um, but jesse do we put it there are various factors there's no fans there obviously first game at Selhurst with no fans um it's the third game in a week yes a few players came back in dan was back in for sacco luca was back in for mccarthy um guaita was back in obviously for hennessy can we use mitigating circumstances with a, with a few of these kind of reasons as to why the team was flat or as James says we're playing a team that had even fewer options than we did a very similar team to us that we should be beating at home is there no excuses really
0: uh, there's not really any excuses I think a team like Burnley is with a team like them you've kind of got to score first not because not in the same way obviously that you need to score first against one of the the big boys, because otherwise you've got nothing to hold on to. If you don't score first against Burnley, then it's likely to stay one nil. Like Kevin alluded to, we don't have a lot of goals in us, but also if you do score first against Burnley, they have to open up a bit. And if you score one, you're likely more likely to get three than they are to get one back. So it yeah, kind of, I was hoping for that. And I think we all were for the game, especially after hearing that they all their strikers were out. Um, but I think also, it, uh, that free header that fell to AU when he's not taking those chances, then we're unlikely to score. Our season this year, without Luca being on great form and not really putting away his free kicks were abysmal last night. Not, I don't think, anyone on target. If, if AU's not not hitting the not hitting the target with the chances he gets, we are pretty barren in front of goal this season. He's he's overperformed. He's overdelivered. So it was really hard. To watch, And we only really seemed to wake up. The urgency only really seemed to come into the game on our part in those closing stages when we were running out of time. And that was a really frustrating thing. If we just had a little bit more uh, initiative in the, in the early part of the game, you really felt like we could have just overrun them a little bit. Um, but they, they were putting two or three men on Wilf. They really snuffed him out, um, added to the fact he was injured and not really recovered from the last game, time he played. Yeah, just nothing. Andros still really rusty. He's not really in the groove at all. Um, yeah, it was, and then it, to make matters worse, Freud didn't react to it to the situation. Did he? he didn't to put Mayer on was not the answer. Um, we should have just seen him really just just try a few more of those options on the bench. So that's what these games are for when you when you're safe.
1: But that, that's, that's the frustrating thing as well, because uh, IU's had a good season, there's no doubt about it, but, and he's our top scorer with, what, eight goals, nine goals? Nine, which is, I think, yeah. Which is, which, is, which is not good enough. And, and the, other, the other problem is, as, as Jesse just said, we've got Perrick. When, when Perrick played against Norwich uh, New Year's Day, he came on, he looked useful. If Will's not fit, we've got nothing to lose by starting him at, at, at the start, which is where you would start him, obviously. We've got nothing to lose by doing that. So why not do that? We're not going down. The fans are not going to ever go. And instead, you risk Will's fitness for the for the rest of the season, and and it, it probably won't play on, on on Saturday because he didn't look happy when he came off. He didn't look particularly fit at the end. So it's it's just beyond me, because we know the squad's thin and we know the problem with midfield is that you it's like for like. I mean, we, we, you let Camarasa go. who's was a player that you'd be looking to want to come off the bench because he's strong and he's fit and he's direct. You know and Maya obviously, and I don't blame him. Doesn't particularly want to play for Palace by the look of it, and he's not a solution anyway, as Jesse said. So, but when, well, yeah, when your option is Macarthur or McCarthy or Ke- or Keati or Luca, they're the same player essentially, and we've been saying that for ages. And I will we'll talk about Wilf. Later, the fact is, if if there's two or two, two or three defenders on Wilf, that should leave space in the rest of the pitch. Mm-hmm. When Wilf was at his best, when Balassi was playing with him, because they couldn't, they had to mark one. Of, they couldn't leave either of them alone. And it's, and it's, you know, who would you rather have playing for Palace at the moment? Wolf Zahara or Adama Traore? Probably Traore. Well, yeah. <laughs> triore, Traore, every time I'm beginning to, to think that we made, probably made a mistake in not letting Wolf go when he wanted to go. Because he's he's not the player he was, and it's he's, it's he's, he's, too much responsibility for him as well. That's the other the other problem. No wonder he gets frustrated like he did last night.
3: The Will sort of conundrum is interesting. I, I will comment it in part two as to what you do when he goes, whether it will actually be this moment where we completely <coughs> revamp the team and 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 sign four or five players and change the way we play, or. We struggled to replace him and, you know, go down the Spurs route when they sold Gareth Bell. We'll come on to that. I have had a question here. So, J.D., because, sorry,
1: before I, I think I've got a sound issue. I'm just going to get Ali to come back and okay. s- see if she can sort the sound out. Karen.
3: Okay. Okay. Um, I have had a question here from Ben Hook, uh, Enders, that says, can, can we put that performance... Uh, hang on, I'm, I'm just muting Kevin. Can we put that performance down to an ageing squad and congested fixtures? We have spoken a, a lot on this podcast about how... Our pod, our squad is quite old, oldest squad in the Premier League, I think. But having yeah. said that, so is Burnley's. And I think yeah. it's not, not particularly younger than ours. So, but is that is that a reason? It's you know, it's probably a factor. JD, it's probably a factor.
2: But I, I you, you can't blame that performance on an aged squad. These are players who have, you know these are players who've got forty-two points. These are players that were already safe. You know, we're we're not going down. These are players that have have got some results this season. You know, up until the Liverpool game, we've gone four games without losing. You know, we're, we're actually winning. And uh, you know, if you take that Liverpool game away, it's been great. We you know, we actually came back looking really good from the break. And no, you can't put it down to an Asian squad. Yes, the squad needs revamping. Yes, we do need some youth in it. Yes, there are a lot of older players there, but they're not unfit players. They're not unfit old players. They're a bit slow. You know, I thought I thought Ward was a bit out of sorts last night. It wasn't his normal self, but you know, I don't think you can blame it on that. I think I don't know what you can blame it on. I think you can blame it again. Talking about Wilf again, I think I think we we as a team, I think the team relied too much on him. I just and I, and there's just no other options. There's, there's nobody nobody to open the door in mid midfield. You know, again, we're lacking that creative midfield. There's nobody to just ping that pass and to, to split open a defence. That 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 Burnley team were there for the taking last night. They're for taking. They're, they're not a good team. They're not, I mean, I know they're eighth now, but, you know, that shows you, that really shows you the the lack of quality maybe in the middle of the table in the Premier League. Is You know, you have two teams like that who potentially could get to Europe and they're playing there on a damp Monday night in front of no fans and, you know, and just not really, I don't, I don't think either team performed. There's only one player who had a bit of life about him and he's, 20 year old kid who p- p- plays for Burnley with yeah. McNeil, who I thought was good. Now, why why we aren't blooding players like that, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? But that's, you
3: know, that's yeah. the,
2: that is the age old palace question, you
3: know. Well, we have been linked to White yeah. McNeil, and he did look very good last night. Um, can I move on quickly to one of the main match incidents, Jesse, which was um, Jordan Ayu escaping a red card for throwing an elbow on. Brownley or something, some Bernie player that I'd actually never heard of before. Um <laughs> and it went to VAR, took a long they took a long time looking at it, and we saw it from multiple angles. And it was one of those that from a couple of angles you thought, oh that looks like an elbow in the face. The way that the player's head sort of jerked back as he was hit. And then from other angles you thought, oh, it looks more like an, an arm up and he's gone to block himself. But he did look behind him to see what the player was. So my reaction from watching that was that he was actually quite lucky not to be sent off. But but what did you think?
0: Yeah, just on McNeil quickly, I thought he had an excellent first half. He was at the centre of everything they were doing. He was dropping to pick it up. He he took Luca out twice. It looked like he'd been told to snuff him out. Um, and he had a couple of shots as well. I thought he was impressive. Didn't really see much from second half though. Um, but yeah, AU, I mean, they they replayed that so many times, it just looked worse every time they replayed it. <laughs> and I was just convinced he was gone. We, we I was with um, my brother, and we were just convinced. We just, we'd already written it off that he was that he was going. Especially that bar took a look at it. I mean, if he would given him a yellow, they would have accelerated it to a red. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, it, yes, you're right. You're right, Jimmy. It was it was that look. It was the glance, and then the kind of uh, premeditated action of swinging his arm out when his body was sort of doing something else in the other direction. Um, I was convinced he was going to go and I, I think he was lucky to stay on the pitch
1: I, I think we got away with one with Cahill against Bournemouth as well so I think quite a few pundits yeah. agreed I, I mean it was a clean it was a clean tackle but it was definitely reckless and it was it was no worse than the, the one that Sacco got sent off for against Bournemouth in the in the home game so I, I you know another referee another VAR referee would could well have sent Cahill off and that like last night because it was going on I went, I went in, saw it happen, went back to the meeting, came out, and it still—they they still hadn't decided. So, you know, normally, the longer it goes on, the more likely it is that they're going to be. So, can I just come back to what you were talking about, the mitigating circumstances there, Jenny? I just lost sound for a while, so I had to yeah. disappear and get Mrs. Day to sort things out, which has been the story of the last 21 years. <laughs> um, when you talk about the lack of crowd, I think the only difference the lack of crowd made was that they would probably have forced Hodgson to make substitutions. Because I think there have been times, the start of this season and last season, Roy took no notice of the fans. But there have been there were three or four games when we were going through the bad spell, sort of just before Christmas, when it's quite obvious he was making changes in reaction to fan dissatisfaction. Because let's not, as you said, let's not forget, it's not the first time we played that badly at home this season. And certainly there are several occasions last season we played like that. And I think Roy might have reacted earlier. And, and again. I, I, I've got some sympathy some, with those people who say, "Well, we're always sending a message to the board about freshening up the freshening up the squad," because you know, which he, which he may well be doing. But it's yeah. You know, I mean, the whole thing was it was. A, I mean, it, our game against Bournemouth was the most watched Premier League game ever, and last night's must have been the least watched <laughs> Premier League televised game ever. And if it wasn't at the start of the game, fifteen minutes into it, it would have been because I, I, how any neutral would have sat through that was is is beyond me essentially.
3: Yeah. It would have to have been someone who's so desperate for the turn of football that they'll watch literally anything. Um, the, the problem with Roy making subs, and I think you make a good point. If the crowd was there, then it, it might've changed the atmosphere and the mood is that there just aren't the options. Mm. And yes, we want to see Brandon come on and they showed a clip of Tyreek Mitch- Mitchell as well, sat in the stands and saying how highly rated he is. But as they were showing it, I was thinking, well, he's not coming on. So that's kind of pointless. Um, we just we don't have the options, really, to change things up. We've got no strikers on the bench. You know, Tosin's injured and gone back to Everton. Wickham's out on loan, scoring goals. Sorlott's out on loan, scoring goals. <laughs> when Teke gets injured... And he's used scoring goals. <laughs> yeah, in, in friendlies. In it's, his head. This is a problem, Menders. We don't... I think if you said to Roy, if you sat Roy down and said, mate, why are you not making more subs? He'd say, tell me who to put on. Who am I going to put on that's going to change the game? And it comes back to this age-old recruitment thing. If we just don't it have is. the options to to change things up, then really <clears> what do you do apart from hope that Wolf has a good game?
2: Well, you hope that Wolf has a good game, and you hope that somebody somewhere will um, be brave enough to buy some players this summer. You know, we've had this we've had this conversation not this time of year, but maybe a couple of months earlier. Every every season for the last four or five seasons, JD, you, me, and Kevin, Andy, or Jesse, whoever's on the pod, we talk about it. Every single year, when we're leading up to the summer, we've got to do, we've got to change this squad up. This year, it's more than ever because, number one, it's ageing. And number two, you know, we're just getting more and more reliant on one player. And yes, Ayu has overperformed and he's got some good goals. And every now and again, you get a great performance from one or two of the players. But as a team, those great performances just seem to be becoming less and less. The the team clicks less and less. It's usually just one or two players that do something quite good. And this is the frustrating thing as a fan. And, and just seeing how the rest of the season's going to go, I mean, it really felt like it was, it really felt like there was nothing to play for yesterday. It really felt like it was like maybe the last game of the season or the second-to-last game of the season. It just it was it was just tough. It was just tough to watch. And It also, as a fan, and anybody listening now is a fan, obviously, of the people... On this podder, we're all fans, and we're all in the same boat. We just don't understand why things are in this are in this situation. Why things aren't getting
1: shaken up? I don't know. But there's there's another issue as well with with the kids with the substitutions. We got forty five to fifty million quid for Aaron Wembasaka, depending yeah. on who who you believe. And by his own admission, by Roy's own admission, he wouldn't have picked Wembasaka unless things were desperate, he didn't know about him. He went down yeah. to have a look at somebody else and yeah. noticed that wan was good. So if wan hadn't accidentally got into the team, we wouldn't have got that 45 million quid. Yeah, how, how are we going to sell players if they're not in the shop window or if they're not getting Premier League experience, even in these circumstances, even a team that's safe, playing yeah. behind closed doors against a team like Burnley and the academy kids are still not getting anywhere near the, the pitch. So either there's something wrong with the academy or Roy doesn't trust young players in general, but it's it needs to be resolved because yeah. if they can't get a game in these circumstances, what's the, point having, what's the point of having an academy if we're not bringing players through? Even in, even in these relaxed circumstances, we still don't play the kids because the fans won't mind. If we'd lost that game 3-0 and the average age of the, of the, the team was 20-21 at the end, if we'd finished with three teenagers at the end, no no, Palace fan would mind about that they'd say well great the, the kids got some experience we're safe that's what they should do but instead you're just left bewildered as to why this this apparently talented group of kids are sitting on the bench watching old men run out of energy part four of this pod exactly <laughs> when it's
3: like you, you watching me and, <laughs> and me and run out
1: of energy
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you took my line call. from me thank um, you no but um, yeah it's a fair point especially at this stage in the season where we are safe I know Roy likes to wait until we are mathematically safe and let's face it we are barring an absolute disaster we are all but safe I think the priority at the moment in terms of selling players Kevin for the club is to try and get to try and prioritize selling players on big wages that's why I think we'll probably see Mamasako go this summer and players like him who are on big wages who aren't Palace yeah, but, aren't getting but, a return on because they're not playing games for whatever reason, injury or something. Yeah, but that the, the, might the, free up a place though so, for young students, well, well it might
1: do but the, the, the problem with that is if if your policy, your recruitment policy as Royce's is, is to buy older players, they're going to come with big wages. If you want to, if you want to get a player that's earning £100,000 a week off the wage bill and bring somebody in on thirty grand a week, you're not going to get an experienced striker to come in for thirty grand a week. You're going to have to look in the lower divisions or you're going to have to look for kids. So it, it, and and we know that that's not our policy. We don't do that. So essentially, we, if, if we do get the wage bill trimmed, it will be by five grand here, ten grand there. It's simple as that. So and we know we have to get the the wage bill down, but it's the average age of the squad that has to come down more than the, the wage bill. Of course it is. I mean, when Wolf is the youngest starting player again, it's just yeah, it's, it's just ludicrous. He's twenty seven, and it's it's. it's yeah, and, and Maya must get frustrated because Mayo must think, what do I have to do to start a game in this team? It's, you yeah. know. It needs to play well, Cav, that's what Well, that's a, that's a fair point. Yeah, that is, yeah. That is a fair point. But he, he could point to the rest of the team and say, well, who's playing better than I am? Yeah, Certainly this morning,
3: yeah. Look, yeah. Let's, let's wrap up part one quickly. Um, Kevin, I've just got a note here to ask you, though, about your um, bit of paper. So I've seen you tweeted this morning <laughs> yeah, I that know. the paper has come out again.
1: The paper's out again. I know, that's how <laughs> miserable I was last night. The paper would have been... I, I wouldn't rip it up because I wouldn't tempt fate that much. But I, I generally, I was on Talk Sport last week saying... I'd, I'd had a discussion with Ed saying that Slovakia. I fancied the first game away to be Slovakia. <laughs> then maybe Norway, and then the country that's out of lockdown, so we can actually go. And then that was it, what an idiot I was. And so I've p- put the atlas away, and I've got the piece of paper. <laughs> in. Yeah, put, the piece of paper is quite reassuring, I have to say. But and I've, I've had to catch up with the results I missed because because we beat Bournemouth in the first game. I didn't even bother filling in the results, <laughs> so I had, to get, I had to get on the BBC website and fill in the results. But it's um it was kind of nice actually. It's kind of felt. That's how it should be this stage of the season. Mm. Maybe maybe that's our natural frame of mind we we, we are we should be a glass half empty pod more than <laughs> we, we have an optimistic pod every now and again and people don't like it.
3: No, they don't, that's very true. <laughs> I think we all got a little bit carried away with the Europe thing, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well um, don't we but we would have we would be in a European place like Man City's appeal, the the team who finishes eighth will get into Europe. Yeah, and that we would be in eighth place. But as quite a few people tweeted last night, I mean, if you don't, it would decimate us. If if, if we had to use that squad in Europe as well, we would be
3: struggling. We do have questions about that. I'm, I'm not going to ask them because Europe is now at the question. But we would be. We would. We'd have to sign ten or eleven players over the summer if we got but into it, um but it, into Europe. It would
0: have, it would have been typical. Palace for us to get to Europe. <laughs> well done. Yeah. He's
2: back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Typical Palace
0: is back. <laughs> it would have been a difficult Palace to get into Europe, and then next they announced next year there's it's a season with no fans again, wouldn't it? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, it would have done.
0: So I think we should set out. I think we should set out getting into Europe just for another year, just so that we can all go when we do get into Europe. Yeah. There you go
3: nice That's, one Jeffy yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks Jed That's what you're <laughs> yeah bring a little bit of common
0: sense and just to remind Enders he did commit to being tour manager when that happens
3: <laughs> <laughs> let's go anyway yeah uh, okay right let's wrap up part one there in part two we've got an article from The Athletic
2: Prime Day is coming July 11th and 12th with two days of epic deals exclusively for Prime members. You'll feel like a winner.
3: Behind your number three is amazing deals.
1: Deals from electronics to decor. It's on Prime Day.
3: Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey. 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 didn't really lift the mood there in part one did we but never mind let, let, let's no, we're not going to part two either um but we are talking about an article from the athletic a world-class team of writers covering every club including the best coverage of non-europe bound crystal palace There are subscription-based <laughs> website <laughs> app, completely ad-free no ads no pop-ups just brilliant articles welcome to the new home of football writing and if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward FYP, you can still get a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. This week's article, published this morning by Mr. Matt Woosnam, is called Shut Up and Sit Down, Zahar <laughs> and Palace Frustrated When Opponents Double Mark. And we, we touched on this in part one. And there's a really nice bit uh, in the article, three or four paragraphs in, talking about Zahar's frustrating evening. Uh, and it says the first half drew frustration from the palace winger, whose annoyance boiled over a little in the 38th minute when he told Burnley assistant Ian Wone to, quote, shut up and sit down and <laughs> thrashed his hand in the air. It was an act of petulance that can be strangely endearing, but equally irritating. When things don't go his way, he reacts badly. That is because he cares. And it often does backfire if he is riled too far. They get it just right. And that temperament can work in palace's favour. The thing is, Kevin, it didn't because Matt goes on to say there were just two shots on total from Zaha, neither on target. Seldom did he get close enough to Nick Pope's goal to make the most of potential openings. But that tight marking also prevented him from affecting the game in any meaningful way. Kevin, it's the same old story, isn't it? A team comes to Palace, plays defensively, marks Wolf. It either goes the Watford way from a couple of years ago where he turns it around last minute. Or we have a game like this, where thanks to the beauty of the um, stadium sounds and the lack of crowd noise, you can hear him saying yeah. things like, shut up, sit down to assistant managers.
1: If you cast your mind back to the last game of last season, Bournemouth, when yeah. he got really, really wound up by the Bournemouth team, and he responded by running the length of the pitch to set up a goal uh, and then ran to their bed. That's how you do it. He's 27. He's 27. He's a, he's a grown man now. He's a professional footballer. Of course he gets frustrated, and he's, he's right to get frustrated because teams, especially like Bournemouth, Burnley, Watford, Southampton, they know how to wind him up. But he's got to learn to deal with that. He's got to be, he's a better player than they, than they are. It's as simple as that. So he has, to, he has to take it and score goals. It's like Ian Wright said, the way he dealt with racist fans away from them was to score goals and then run to them and stick two fingers up. It's, it's like, he's, he, Wolf's got to be bigger and better than that now. If he's looking for a move to a bigger club, his temperament is, is going to get in the in the way of that because he has to walk on the pitch as he does, knowing that he's going to get kicked, knowing that he's going to get hurt, and that's a terrible thing to for, for a professional footballer to have to deal with. But he's got to deal with it. And the fact is, the team is the team as well has got to help him out. Where's you know where's the Damien Delaney's? Where's the where's the where's the Jedinaks who who are, threatening the kids that are threatening him or getting in the referee's face and say he's not getting any protection. It's like the, the team seem to stand by and, and watch him. Where are the players taking advantage of the As we said, they're taking advantage of the space that that Wolf gets because he's being double teamed and, and treble teamed. It's like, where's the plan? Because surely if if we know he's going to get double teamed and treble teamed, the, the management must know that's going to happen, surely. So where's the plan for dealing with that? It's it's just, it's just frustrates me. Again, as I ender says, it's one of those quick topics we have every season we have this conversation
3: every season please stop saying double teamed on the podcast well Um.
1: (laughs) that's 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 in your for my generation that simply means two people marking you what it it means for your generation I simply don't know but you'll have to deal with that yourself You're right. a married you're a mar- I know lockdown's been going on for a while, but you're, you're a married man.
3: Cope, cope with it. Yeah, I'm out. just delighted you, you think I can talk on behalf of my generation, but I'm, I'm going to not do that. Um, Jesse, there was a point actually in the game yesterday when uh, Wilf was fouled on the edge of the box and James Tarkovsky got the ball, went to give it back to him and then flicked it away at the last minute. And Wilf, his eyes lit up. And you could see him going, what are you doing? Getting really annoyed about it. And Tarkovsky w- w- walks off with a big smirk on his face. And I thought in that moment, he knows that he's got to Wilf there. And it's a yeah. simple it act that everyone does from Sunday league up to Premier League. So they know it's easy to get in Wilf's head. But as Kevin says, if he leaves to a big club, he's going to get more of the same treatment, really, from that. Because he'll be on an even bigger platform. And also... Is there an element of the, uh, the frustration from Wilf that actually maybe isn't directed towards opposition, isn't directed towards Toskowski or Ian wone assistant manager? Is it directed actually towards his teammates? Who, as yeah. Kevin says, do at times not protect him in the way, not protect him and support him in terms of play in the way that a player like Wilf, we know, needs to thrive.
0: It's funny you mention is his eyes lit up because I noticed that as well. He's sort of it's like a man possessed, didn't he? He'd really just, he just uh, got triggered very quickly. Yeah. It's, 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 again, this is well documented. I mean, I think we often in this situation been compared a lot to hazard when he used to get fouled just as much, if not more when he was here, but didn't react. He would just get up and walk away and just would accept that his talent was going to, be like a magnet to those clogging, clogging defenders that panicked and didn't want to be chasing after him all day. So Wilson has never really grown out of it, has he? He's, he's always been there, um, and I don't think I don't think he will. I think it's it's just part of who he is. He just really feels the injustice week after week, and he's clearly briefed that his oppos- the opposition is clearly briefed to try and make him make him boil over. Um, I, I don't really know if it's if he will grow out of it. I think it's he's just. He he's very he's got a very short fuse on the pitch, Rolf, and it's it's very easy to to rattle him. Um I, I think but I do think there's something to be said for the team. I don't think we the rest of the team, apart from Delaney, was always the one that getting in between him and the and the other players. Um don't think Jedi did a particularly good job of it. I think Delaney was even though he wasn't the captain, was the, mm. the, the protector. And I don't yeah, I don't think Luca's really been much use in that regard. I don't know, it's, it's, it's all, I feel like we've, we've we've had this conversation a few times it's just, it, it just seems to rear its ugly head here and there
3: Okay, well in that in that case, and you're right, we do have this conversation a lot, Enders Yeah Do we then move on to the, the elephant in the room, which is the question of is it time then for Wolf to move on? If we keep having this same conversation and we keep having these games where he can't affect them, and his price, you know, when last summer it was 80 million, undoubtedly it's gone down it's probably about half that now yeah. do, I mean we had a question from uh, Mark Austin says I would not blame Wilf to go especially with the board we have which I don't think is, goes back to what we are saying about transfers earlier do, do we you know he's 26 27 now do we just say okay you know we've seen amazing things from Wilf potentially the best years of him he deserves a move to bigger club fair play and we, and we start working on the next phase
2: Oh, you know what? I think Kev mentioned it earlier on, that game against Bournemouth last year when he got really wound up and did that amazing bit of skill towards the end of the game in the last game of the season. And that's the Wilf that you want to see week in, week out. And other great players do perform week in, week out. They do. You know, mm-hmm. Wilf doesn't. And that's the real problem. And for him to go to a bigger club, which he wants, um, I, don't think he will, I don't think he'll end up going to one because I don't think he's consistent enough. Mm. Now, maybe if he's around better players as always, players get better and the support and maybe he'll get more support for his team. But the thing with Wilf, and I've said this before, I really believe he I think he'll struggle at another club because he will not be a big fish in another club. He'll just be another great player. Uh, he, you know, if he's gonna go somewhere, he'll go to a team that's on the same level, maybe a little bit more than us, you know, maybe an an Everton type player. Do you know what I mean? Not a team. I don't know. Um or could have, I don't know. I don't know where he'll go, but is it time for him to leave? I don't think you could judge it on last night, obviously, because he was injured. Um, but we could judge it over the last couple of years, and it probably does feel about the right time. And if we are going to make some money and be able to spend it wisely, which is the next question, would we spend mm. the money and would we spend it wisely? That's a whole other podcast. Mm. Um, you know, that's the thing. And you know, I think if we did get a decent amount of money, an offer for him, I think yes. I think now is the time because I, I think that team that squad needs a lot of looking at and it's not just a matter of getting in two or three players we need to get in seven or eight players yeah. now not all necessary players are going to go straight to the first team but we need to get the basis of a squad for the next two or three seasons because this one's on its last legs right now mm. you look at players like yeah. Ward Luca. you know they're, they're all they're all getting on and then nobody's performing at their best the only players over over overperformed this season is Ayu and he's mm. He probably won't do that next season. Um, I don't know. It's a tricky one because we'll all be very sad to, for Wilf to go and I would hate for him to go under any sort of a cloud, uh, which I think if he does go this summer. but thing, I don't know if anybody's going to come in for him. I don't know who's going to buy him for like, say, 30 million or 40 million. Who has got that type of money to spend on somebody like Will Sar? when they look at his performances in a good team like Crystal Palace, a mid-table premiership team, and He's inconsistent. He is inconsistent. We as fans see him week in, week out. We see the bits that aren't on match of the day. Or, or, you know, a lot of the fans maybe only see him twice a year. We know what a great player he can be. But this is the thing, JD. We say it every year. We know what a great player he can be. Unfortunately, he doesn't perform all the time. And I love Wilf more than anybody. You know, he's, our best, he's the best player I've ever seen in the Palace shirt. But he still is not the player that he should be at a 27-year-old. He should be better than he is now. He should be. But for whatever reason, he's not and I don't know I think maybe it is time for it to go yeah
3: Kevin do you have any opinion on that
1: the, 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 the difficult thing is that he wants you know he's got a large family to support and we know he's very responsible in supporting that family so of course he wants that one last move, it probably would be one last big move to help his future finances. You know, it's, he's, he's, um, but he's, he's on a decent wage at Palace. There aren't that many clubs in the Premier League who would, who would match that salary. Yeah. I don't think. And then it depends what he wants. It depends whether he wants to play week in, week out, because if he does, it, it there's no point in him going to a top six club. When you look at Riyad Mahrez, for example, one of the reasons why Leicester won the, the title, brilliant player who plays for what, eight, nine times a season for Man City and very rarely as a starter, and so that would be Wolf's fate if he went to a top-six team, which I, I don't think anyone would come in for him for various reasons, I have to say, but if he were to go to Man City, if he was happy to get probably the same money he's getting at Palace with half the game time, I don't think he would. I think Wolf's a player who wants to play week in, week out. I think he wants to play for Palace, and I think I think you're, well, you talk about where his frustrations directed to, I think it's directed to, to our bench as much as... As, as as their as our teammates and and you know it's I think he's he's, he's a kid who's going to be saying why where are the people around me where are the people of the same level of skill as I had and Yannick probably not quite as good a player as him but he had different you know he was blistering pace physically strong he was more of the, the Adama player so we're also entitled to say well come on every season you're telling me you're bringing players in that's why I stay. So, but where's there's no sign of that ambition being realised on the, on the pitch. So, of course, it's frustrating because it, he probably looks around the seat and wonders why other players aren't getting as wound up as he is. Because that's one of the reasons he gets so well-known is because he loves Palace so much. That's why, that's why we forgive him because he wants to win games for, for, for Palace. And he's probably looking around saying, well, where, as we said, why aren't I being protected? Why, why aren't you piling on top of you? You, you, you expect that on a Sunday league team. If I, you know, if I used to accidentally tackle someone, it didn't happen a lot and they got cross, <laughs> you, you'd know that two or three of your mates would be behind you because I was no good at fighting. So they would step in and make sure I didn't have to do any fighting because I was no good at running either. So both options were, weren't were available to me. But you know what I mean? But Wilf's entitled to, to, entitled to get frustrated. Of course he is. Yeah. But he, he, does, he does need to channel that frustration in a better way or we need to help him channel it or we need to take more of the burden off him. But again, as Jesse said, as Ender said, how many times can we have this conversation? We'll be yeah. having this conversation every twice a season for as long as he's with us. You know what I mean? And it's—I don't know—I don't know. I don't know Wilf personally, I don't know his ambitions. Like, you know, people still have a go at Matt Letitia now for not moving to a bigger mm-hmm. club, even though he wanted to play for Southampton, the club he loved and was brilliant at doing it. And I don't know whether Wolf's got that same mentality. But I, at the moment, is there's a real danger that we will look back and say. His potential was never fully realised. He's not. There is a danger that he's not becoming the player that we that we all knew he could he could be.
2: So then the the, the point there in lieske if that is indeed the situation. The club know that. Why not if he's 27? Why not for the next three years build a team around him? Absolutely. Just build the team Absolutely. around him, yeah. rather than trying around know, trying to fit him into something because he's so brilliant just right. okay he's going to be here for the next three years the prime of his career let's build a team around it and let's make everybody work for Wilf as well as they work for the club.
1: Yeah, and, and also,
2: that's, but, that's the only solution.
1: But but also and just bring in players that give you another option if Wilf's not fit yeah. or if Wilf's not yeah, yeah. playing well. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because at, at the moment, like we said before, Wilf is our only option. And if Wilf's yeah. not not up for it, we're in we're in trouble. We're, that's 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 where we need the variety of players that we we simply haven't got. We've got variations of the same. We've got this, essentially we've got five centre backs, but they're all the same centre back.
3: Yeah, and and it, you know, you know they do a
1: good job. We need, we know we, we need cover at left back and right back, but we, uh, my God, we need something else in midfield and we need something else up front. And because Wolf, yeah, how many how many times do we see Wolf at his best when he's getting the ball in front of him? How many times do we see a Wolf having to come back yeah. and look for the ball? Mm. How, how many? How many? We haven't got people who've got the quality of passing yeah. to get to get the ball in front of him to put it where it, where it needs to be. We we simply haven't got that, and that's no other. He gets frustrated.
3: It comes back to that age old question of recruitment. Which which we come back to every week on the podcast. Uh, and it's frustrating when we see it borne out in front of us. And I should say as well, before we wrap up and move on to questions from our listeners, that all these kind of criticisms that we've just gone over with Wilf is all comes from a place of admiration and love for him. Because oh, we we want course. to see him doing fantastically well for Palace mm. because we all know that he is, as James says, the best player that I think so I've seen play for Palace and he can be brilliant. No, yeah. And it's frustrating when when he isn't like that, but it is also multiple factors and often, more about the team than it is about him. Um, let's let's crack on with questions after the break uh, from our listeners. But before we do that, I need to remind you that uh, if you visit theathletic.co.uk/fyp, you can not only read those great articles like that one from Matt, but you can also start a seven-day free trial and receive fifty percent off your yearly subscription. Right after the break, questions. Welcome back to the Fabio Plan podcast.
0: Hey, hey, come on, Jesse, join in! Come on. <laughs> so I was I was on mute there, and I oh. didn't want to. Uh, I had to wait for mute to go off before I joined in. Hence
3: the delay. <laughs> oh, sick, okay. <laughs> that makes that okay. make sense. Good, thanks for the explanation. Yeah. Um, right, we've had some questions from our listeners. This first one is for Jesse, and it's from uh, John Sarraf. Hi, John. And John says, "Can we get a Ray Lewington audio stream for the next home match, please?" <laughs> he was very, very loud.
0: Do we know? Do we know for sure it was him?
3: Yes, it was because yes, sure I, I was listening with Selzy, and Selzy confirmed that it's definitely it, it's a trait of Ray Lewington.
0: Right, because I was I was hoping it was, but I was just convinced because of the camera was obviously from the. Um, the viewpoint that it was, I was just convinced it was just some steward sat near the camera. <laughs> 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 it, felt, it felt like it just could have been a fan who also works for the club. So I, I was the jury was out on that one. But it was more interesting. It was more eye-opening listening to that than it was Ali McCoist who was Ali McCoyst on Amazon. Yes, yes. yeah, because we were watching it on an American channel for the first half and Amazon second half. Ali McCoyst's first ever visit to Selhurst Park. Yeah, oh,
1: really?
0: yeah. Oh. yeah, I could not work that out I thought, <laughs> surely he'd been there in the media in a media capacity before anyway I hope he never comes back his punditry was awful <laughs> and and he also thought that AU was in no way guilty so I don't know what he he looked like he was watching it from pretty far back <laughs> uh, and, and uh, his opinion on the AU incident confirms that I think um, but it's quite funny because before Project Restart happened I was talking to my Frank Covey, I said, and I said, what's it going to be like? It's going to be interesting hearing what the players shout at each other. he said, oh, it'd be great to hear Roy and Ray having a chat. I said, it will go like this. Should we put a sub on, Roy? (laughs) No, Ray.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Also, it makes you realise just how loud the Sellers Park crowd is, because if that's what Lewington's like without a crowd, we must do a pretty good job to drown him out, because he's a very (laughs) loud individual. Um, No, it's good. One of the little perks of having no crowd, actually. Um, Let's move on to another question, and this one is from Keith Madge-Dimmond. Hi, hey, hey. Keith. Hi, Keith. And he says, uh, I'll go to uh, Kevin with this one. Do you agree, as I've said before, that we need a target man, Benteke or Wickham? But why are the crosses better when they're not on the pitch? I right? had a couple of our patrons say this as well. <laughs> it does seem to happen that when we don't have a target man, we actually put it in the box, and then when they play... We Don't bother doing that, it's weird.
1: I would, I would love to have been wherever Ben Teke was last night. I'd love to, I'd, I'd rather hear him than Ray Lewinson because he must be watching <laughs> that telly going, What the what now? <laughs> now they're putting the crosses in. I, I, I think a target man is another of those options we talked about before the break. That, that sometimes you play a team like Burnley. And a big target man is what you need to unsettle their their lumbering centre-backs. Sometimes you play a better team and you want a more mobile front man. But, well, again, it would be nice to have the option. I think Benteke has been missed because I think in the first game, he played without getting too much credit. I thought he played really well against Bournemouth. He, he held the ball up really well. He gave their centre-backs something to worry about all the time. And he gave the midfield a little bit of time and space to, to move on at 20 yards, 30 yards further up the pitch. So, we we do miss a target. I still am mystified as to why we let Wickham go when he'd been playing, he'd been playing well. I mean, he scored against Norwich. He, he made the own goal happen against Man City. I'm just, it, it's an option that we need, and they must have assumed that Benteke was was getting fit and would be the first choice, and we didn't need a replacement. But again, I think Madge is absolutely right. We do we need, we need a target man for those games when we need a target man, which sounds like a blindingly obvious thing to say, but it doesn't seem to be blindingly obvious to the people doing the recruitment at Palace.
3: Especially when you're playing a team... (laughs) Yeah, I wonder who that is. Especially when (laughs) um, you're playing a team like Burnley, I think it's fairly obvious. And if that enders, we've had a couple of other questions from AJ Wright and Bright, um, and (laughs) from Richard Bushell, who both say, last night showed how much we do miss Benteke. And I know Kevin jokes about it in past pods that every game that Benteke doesn't play, he seems to get better and better. But actually... Uh, That game against Bournemouth, Benteke was very good. And in fact, the games before lockdown, Benteke was very good. And I think we were starting to see the return of the old Benteke, minus the goals, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, But that assist away at Brighton for uh, Jordan Ayew was a very clever little reverse ball. I actually think we are a massively better team when he's there. We can play it to his feet. We can play it in the air. And I think we do miss him. And again, Kevin's absolutely right with the um, recruitment issues that we don't have another target man for when Vertecchi is injured and he has had a lot of injuries in the last couple of years and that is a worry. But Enders, clearly, when he is (laughs) not there, we miss him.
2: Of course we miss him, yeah. I I think because he doesn't score goals, that's what we all, we we as fans, your average fan, focuses on the fact that he doesn't score goals. And he had that great first season with us. But the, the way he takes other players out of the game the the way he controls it with his head, you know, the way he controls it when it comes to it, he holds up play really well, and and he's again he's that target man. He can go either right or left to Wilf or to Andros, and uh and he gets things moving. Plus, def- even though he doesn't score off often, defenders are scared of him because he's a big chap.
1: Yeah, he's
2: mm. big and he's and he and he goes down people. Now, I really like Ayu. I really like Jordan. I think he's done a great job for us. And I'm not going to knock him. He scored goals for us this season, and he's a bit of a terrier and he runs around and he holds the ball at well but he just there's some and he and he scores the odd goal i mean because good to get somewhere in, in between him and ben teke you know I mean? somebody <laughs> can score goals and be a target man but again he just proves the point we don't have any there's no backup there's no backup with this team and he just goes back and how we could have skirt around the issue all we want but it boils down to the fact that there's nobody on the bench to take the place of these people, you know. Yeah. And um, the, we we do have the quality there. We just need two or three little bit more bits to it. And now I think we can run. But I don't thing's
3: I do think Wickham as well. I know he's had his injuries, ugh, a lot of injuries and you can't ignore that. But I do think he as well, like Benteke, is a big lad, puts himself about very strong. Wickham probably, out of all our players, is the perfect, Make-up for... Like when we had Ruben. You know, Ruben, great feet, big lad. Had everything. I Ooh. think Wickham is very similar. And he's scoring goals for Wednesday. Scored a good header yeah. uh, for Sheffield Wednesday at the weekend. So, he, I agree with Kevin. I don't really get the decision why why we sent him out um, on loan. And I guess Jesse, I mean, if, if, if we'd had Wickham on the bench last night, he'd have almost certainly come on and um, got some action. And I remember him coming on for the West Ham game on Boxing Day and, and you know, helping create space for Jordan use So... There's clearly, surely got to be a role for him still at the club.
0: I was hoping he'd come back with, off the back of the sort of, I'm sure the loan should have ended, end of June yeah. situation. So, I don't know if that means he, he can make, he make it back for any of the remaining games. But, yeah, it did seem odd that he just scored his first goal back for us and then we pushed him out. That was slightly odd, wasn't mm-hmm. it? You get the equaliser at City. Was
1: it he made he fought he pressured the young the guy into the own yeah, goal, yeah. but he was he was the one who made him make, make the mistake.
0: Yeah, yes. Yeah, so just starting to yeah. you know just starting to to sort of get into some kind of pattern or form with us, and we sent him out. That was a bit odd. I I think similarly to the uh, the sort of adage that Benteki gets better every time he doesn't play. <laughs> same, I felt like Schlupp like yeah. last night came to yeah. mind. He, he, would have, he would have ridden a couple of tackles yeah. and found a way through last yeah. night in that game. Yeah. It just felt yeah. like he did against yeah. Bournemouth. So uh, it's a shame he's he's still out because I think he would be perfect to just to help us finish the season with a little bit yeah. of energy.
3: Uh, OK, right, last couple of questions. Uh, this one comes from Manny, ha- Manny Hawks. Hi, Manny. Hi, Manny. Hi. I'll put this on to Kevin. He says, is my mate's description of Kiarte as that bloke who wanders round the office with a folder trying to look busy fair? <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: again, I thought yeah, I thought he played well uh, in patches against Bournemouth. And again, he's one of those players, I don't think West Ham fans would recognise him. I mean, I know his second season at West Ham was second and a half season wasn't particularly brilliant, but it, it, I was expecting so much more of him to be perfect. I was expecting goals for him for a start-off, certainly from, mm. from from set pieces. I mean, he's a big, strong player who should be grabbing the midfield. He should be powering forward more than he does. And again, I just don't think... I, it's, it's, it's just, there's no one in the squad at the moment, the last two games. The Liverpool game we can write off, but I wasn't expecting to say that about the Burnley game as well. It's like no one... Andros doesn't look... Fully fit, either, and doesn't seem to really know what his his role is in the in the system. So there's none of the players can come off last night. Going, yeah, I, don't, I, I did everything I could to change that game, and and Keati's one of them. But again, he's, he's one of four mid, interchangeable midfielders. Essentially, we 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 will play two of them or three of them. We'll many three from four yeah. depending on the on the opposition. So he's not the only one who's kind of leaving us frustrated.
3: Yeah, I think Manny's being a little bit harsh actually on Chiate And I, I think he's been a very good good signing for us, um, and I actually feel like our midfield is probably more balanced when he's in there. Um, but yeah, you're right. Last night was was a write off, and I think it's it's just, almost we should just move on and just crack on with the next game because it's just one of those things. But it is it's very very frustrating. Well, let's do that before let's we do, do that. One question. Yes. One question from Mark at MD Jones eighty two. Enders, and he just says, do you fellas have any insight? I, I can't remember if we, we've answered this already. If we have on this podcast, then please tell me and we'll move on. Uh, my brain has been absolutely fried by watching that game last night. Do you fellas have any insight into why Pierrick is even on the bench? You regularly talk about lack of options on the pod. Why does, quote, the best manager we've ever had not try and use these young lads?
1: I, uh, I, go on, Kev no, you. No, it, 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 a Good question I mean, it, it's, a, <laughs> it's a very good question I mean, we've had a succession of managers I mean, Sam Allardyce was was very honest about the fact that he would rather not play kids under any circumstances because it, it, you know the way f- young players are brought up now renders them, he says, unsuitable to go straight into the first team. It's There's no reserve team football, so essentially the academy football is a non-contact sport. So a lot of managers, especially the older managers, are reluctant to play kids full stop, to, to play young players full stop, but not all of them. And it's you know you you can understand why Roy Roy is 73 now so you you know there's a 53 year age gap between him and some of the kids on the bench, so you can understand and that is an issue that you can understand why he probably does feels that he doesn't know them. I don't think he spends a lot of time watching the academy anyway. But you're not going to find out whether he's a good player or not unless you put him on the pitch. You know the the Norwich game he came on for for 10 minutes made himself lively useful. Got, had a hand in the goal so why not I, I don't see I just don't see what's to lose by trying these kids out
3: I, don't, I simply don't understand it No uh, yeah Enders I I, I sort of tend to I agree. agree I agree
2: and I, I just agree with Kev you know I, I, I do get a little bit tired sometimes when you know you're reading Twitter or whatever and people are banging on about we don't play the kids why not why not and you know the times when I think it's I don't think we should but I think now we've got to this point in the season when there's what five games to go is there six yes right? six, yeah, six, yeah. six games to go we're not mathematically safe I admit but it's pretty unlikely we're going to go down I just think this is the time and also we're playing behind closed doors the whole atmosphere of the games are mm-hmm. different they're 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 played at a slightly different pace than they are normally it's a great time to sort of bed some of these players in and just to give them you just give them 15 20 minutes at mm-hmm. the end of the game I just think it will give I, I think it will give the club a lift I think it'll give the, the supporters a lift it's really hard at the moment because because we're so, because as a support, as a supporters, we're not meeting up every two weeks. All twenty of us at the ground, and we're not all listening to each other and talking and arguing in the pub beforehand. You know, with there's very little contact apart from things like this mm. and the, the odd members of your family or somebody you socially can see halfway down the street <laughs> who's, who, who's wearing a palace shirt. So I think to, to 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 bring the club together for this final push, yeah. just bring on a few kids, everybody. Yeah. Our, this whole pod would be so different. Yeah. People listening to it's attitude would be so different. There'd be a buoyancy. Even if we lose the games, as Kev said, 3-0, at least we have something positive to talk about. And I just think it's, it's, a, it's, it's where football becomes more than just kicking a ball around and getting a goal and winning games, which I know it is, but this point of the season, maybe there's something a bit more to it than that. Yeah, hmm. uh, you Jesse, just what I'm saying?
3: No, no, absolutely right. And and the thing is, Jesse, like it's very easy for us to sit here and say we'll just play the kids. You know, we're not football managers, and I, I know there's way more nuances to it than that. But Ender's is right. I mean, if we this isn't going to happen, but if we, you know, gave uh, Pierre a start at the weekend against Leicester, and we still, you know, lost one nil, two nil, it would just lift all the fans after last night, and it would totally take the focus away from last night's defeat.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a bit of a myth, isn't it? <laughs> because as soon as as soon as we're safe and everyone thinks oh the youngsters are all gonna sort of be let out of a box and be be allowed to express themselves and roam at will, then it all of a sudden becomes a discussion about well every league place is working. <laughs> yeah, which is yeah, true. Fair point, fair point. Uh, <laughs> and then it's only the last game of the season where you see like Luke Dreyer played uh, you know, last yeah. year last year. Uh, it's like the last game it came out and a thrilling 5-3 win happens. Like it's, that it, it does feel like it's a bit of a myth, this story. Um, I'm sure it's going to kind of go the same way. I think it'll be, it's, it's, just going to, it's just going to end up following the same path as, as, as it does that way.
3: Okay, well, look, we should follow the same path that we do now as well, which is to move on to our final very part good. of the podcast. Oh, oh nice. nice. Very Elegant. good. Very, very, good. good. Um, very good. Thank Beautiful. you, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, where we're going to preview... A game that we think is happening, which is Palace away at Leicester. <laughs> Welcome back to the Five Minute Plan Podcast. Hey. Hey. <laughs> oh God, hey we are case. running out of steam. Much like, much like Palace. Um, oh, no, he's good. The next. The next game, lads, is uh, in theory away at Leicester. So no midweek game this week, uh, Saturday, 3pm kickoff. Kevin, we just found out this week that Leicester is now on lockdown, having <clears throat> following a spike of new coronavirus cases. Uh, but I believe Health Secretary Matt Hancock has said the game is going to go ahead. Is that right?
1: Uh, He was specifically asked at a press conference this morning whether the the game would go ahead. He said it will definitely happen. Whether it happens in Leicester is uh, up for debate. Um, I suspect it it won't. Because I think even politically, he talked about football grounds being excessively safe places at the moment, and they are a very, very safe environment. But I I think politically it would look very odd if you were to tell the people of Leicester that their lockdown is continuing for two weeks. But... A football game is, is happening, and twenty four people are coming from South London to play football there. So, I suspect there was talk yesterday or last night rather of it being played at England's training grounds st George's Park.
3: Uh, okay,
1: but I, I suspect it will be, be a neutral. It will be a ground as close to Leicester as possible that isn't being used for a, for a game. But I think the game will happen, and if it is a neutral ground, it will just add another level of weirdness to. to to the whole thing essentially I mean that's (laughs) the players are confused enough as it is already I think without having to just thinking why are we not in Forest Ground I don't (laughs) don't
3: quite does does Uh, that play does that favorable for us at all or at this point does nothing really i mean i think the
1: the the interesting thing is of course because already you talk about things like marketing as well because because every ground's got led advertising displays now the the sponsors and the and the advertisers are happy because you just you just changed the program so it will still it will still be a leicester home game but i i I don't think it'll it'll be another excuse if we lose but you know, I mean, what would be really weird is—is is after listening to this, we we playing, we're playing at Nottingham Forest against Leicester, and seven kids are starting. <laughs> and then on, on next week's pod, we'd all say, "What's he doing? Starting seven kids? <laughs> two we wanted, two at most." And, you know, so it's—it's. I mean, it, you know, it, everything's weird at the moment. It's, it's not going to make it any more weird. I'm just focusing on the fact that the Paulson's Arms is opening on Saturday as simple as that, so... It is. <laughs> it is. Yes, I've had that confirmed. I don't
3: um, know how I feel I don't about know, that.
1: I don't know. Well, I feel delighted. I just want to work out how... You'll have to clamber over the needle the fish every time it opens, I imagine, but... <laughs> Uh, I'd, I'd be interested to see how they because it's a small pub so it'd be interesting to see how they mm. work out the social distancing uh, uh, yes. regulations in there but I, I intend to go in there for a pint at one stage even if i just buy the pint and go out again because for me that'll be a, an important psychological moment i think they can put and, one,
3: and one person in the sort of greenhouse at the back on their own one person yeah. in the garden
1: one person in the bar was in the oh no the hairdressers bit can't open can it <laughs> no, that won't be able to open <laughs> even if it's only a problem <laughs> he yeah. didn't think
3: that
1: through did
3: he no he didn't yeah. um, Enders Leicester they actually haven't won a game since lockdown they're actually one of the teams uh, that's returned like Sheffield United actually mm. yeah. all form seems to have gone out the window so I know, obviously, since the Bournemouth game, us appears too as well. But do we actually yeah. think maybe? And we have quite a good record actually at Leicester yeah, previously. Do think this could be a chance for us to actually sort of bounce back from from last night.
2: Well, I'd, I'd, the only way to go from where you were last night is up, isn't it? <laughs> let I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, yeah, I just think I I really do believe that the players and they will watch that game. They'll they'll be sat around watching it today, hopefully, and they'll realise how poor poor it was. And there's Surely, surely somebody in that squad, surely in that team is gonna just grab them all, find the scuff of the neck, and just say, Come on, let's just do something here. I mean, I, I, I really do believe it's times like this when it's down to the players who are almost more than the managers. Yes. Yeah. I really I really think the players are just gonna look at themselves, just look at themselves and just go, you know, what the hell were we doing last night? What, what were we doing? On, we we we've got five or six games now to change this. Let's just do it. Let's do it. I think you know, and, the, Yes, I know it's away from home, but you there's no support there. It's a, you know, it's just the players have got to the, the players have got to uh, pull their socks up in you know, an old fashioned term. It's
3: a, yeah, it's a, and it's a good term. Um, there's it's a fair point that a lot of times a manager can do all his work on the training ground, send the team out and actually if they play badly, <laughs> I think sometimes there's not a lot more manager can do. But with that in mind, Jesse, line up wise, I don't I don't know about Benteke. I don't know if he's back or not. Really, if there is no Benteke, it's probably same again, isn't it? Option-wise, I don't think there's a lot of options for Roy to change it.
0: I was thinking this last night when we were just looking at what else Roy could have done, subs-wise. I think Saka would have been a good player for last night, just for the physicality of of Burnley. And maybe McCarthy could have been playing earlier, but I don't know what else there is to play with, because even Tavares and Woods, they're both defenders as well, aren't they?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So
0: there's not a lot of exciting options on the bench but um, I think I I wouldn't be surprised to see some uh, sort of motivation from Leicester to make this a a sort of decisive three points because Wolves are only three points behind them now Their top four place is seriously under threat Um, Their fans have been phoning in radio shows and podcasts I've been listening to and they're pretty worried (laughs) that it's just going to peter out into a nothing season for them um, it,
1: it, this might be a good game for Wilf as well though Because Leicester like to push forward With their, their full backs And they're not a particularly physical team So they might let us play a little bit of football we know. Can, Before we end Can we just check something Because people will be asking Who is it that's got the kitchen sound effects on
0: That's me, sorry
1: no it's alright because it's great it's just, it's just I'm, I'm, I just want a sausage sandwich so much because I feel like all the, cl- the, all the plates clattering I just want to say oh, get a
3: sausage sandwich
0: over here love. for coming to you that'd be lovely thank you I've had, <laughs> I, I've had to locate myself near the Wi-Fi router just so I wasn't okay. freezing but that's the side that's the side effect I'm afraid but can we no, it's,
3: uh, it's nice ambient sounds yeah it's lovely but come on we also guys we've got
0: this is, this is this transcends all previous uses of the term typical palace this is peak palace <laughs> This is optimum. This is this is this is, this, this is optimum Palace. But we, we, we are going to Leicester, and the city has just been locked down. This is amazing.
3: <laughs> optimum Palace sounds like a bloody Transformer. Um, right, let's let's wrap up the podcast there. Thank you very much for your time. Um, we are for our patrons running a watch along party. We did this for the Bournemouth game. Uh, assuming the Leicester game happens, we're doing a watch long party on Zoom. So if you are a patron, the details are already up on the page of how you can join. And if you're not a patron, you can join for the tours ATP a month and get access to that. It was a lot of fun We I did it last time. We had people uh, tuning in from America, from Australia, from South Africa. Um, so we hope we'll have very similar again and maybe see another Palace win. Maybe it turns out we've just got to do the watch-along each week and that's how mm. Palace will win. Um, but lads, thank you very much for joining me. I hope that was a little bit... Uh, a bit cathartic a bit of therapy there yeah it's great yeah brilliant as always (laughs) excellent thank you Uh, and we hope you enjoyed it thanks for your support Um, the post-match pod will be on Patreon again after the Leicester game and we'll be back next week with another main podcast in the meantime stay safe and we'll see you again soon (laughs) bye everybody bye everybody bye
1: Podcast Network.